Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotional. Reading once again from Journey to the Cross by Paul David Tripp. Uh, Paul, such a great brother, is a pastor, an award-winning author, international conference speaker. Uh, He's the author of another uh, daily reader that I read from, from time to time, called New Morning Mercies, one of my very favorites. And this one is really designed for the uh, Lent, the season of Lent in the church. But of course, uh, these are timeless truths that he speaks of. So no matter uh, when you are listening or watching this, I want you to know uh, the intent is that we take a good look at uh, the journey to the cross. Our Lord Jesus Uh, went on because of his great love for us. Uh, Paul Tripp begins, uh, this is day 11, the reading I'm doing today. The cross of Jesus Christ purchased more than forgiveness for you. I hope that intrigues you just a little bit. I think we are all familiar with the fact uh, that Christ Jesus came to purchase our salvation in his death on the cross. But he did, he did uh, indeed do that, and it did accomplish the paying the price for our sins, but it did even more than that. We should forever celebrate the cross of Jesus as the only possible means of forgiveness. So begins Paul Tripp with this reading. That celebration should mark our lives now and for the rest of eternity. But we cannot restrict our understanding and celebration of the cross to its value as God's gracious means of forgiveness because the cross offers us so much more. There is an aspect of what the cross provides for us that is essential to our lives as God's children that I don't think we study enough, meditate on enough, or celebrate enough. Pretend that I'd done something extremely hurtful to you, something that was terrible betrayal of the love and trust between us, something that was a self-oriented denial of the way any healthy relationship was meant to operate, and pretend that you had confronted me. And after defending myself, I confess that what I had done was a terrible personal affront. Pretend with me that after my confession, grief flooded into my heart and I came to you with tears of sorrow and asked for your forgiveness. Pretend that you were kind and gracious and were willing to forgive me. And not only that, you were willing to reconcile with me so that we could be in friendship with one another again. And pretend that your forgiveness and your reconciliation had removed my guilt and brought peace not only between us, but in my heart. With all of the grace of forgiveness and reconciliation, there is still something I desperately need that you are not able you are not able to give me. Do you know what it is? I see. I love those kinds of questions. Paul Tripp says, "You could not work changes inside me." that would ensure that not only would I never do the same thing again, but I would treat you with a deeper love and respect and have a fresh commitment to give and to serve. You can forgive me, but you are not able to change me. What you did for me was wonderful and kind, but because you are a human and limited, it is not enough. The cross of Jesus Christ not only does the first two things for us, forgiveness and reconciliation, But it also does the third thing for us, change. 
Let's look at how the writer of Hebrews talks about this often neglected aspect of the transforming grace of the cross of Jesus Christ. And this uh, Paul trip is this selection is from Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. That's what he's he's pulled for us to read here. And I, I want to read that for you. And then we'll continue with uh, Paul's thoughts. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Again, Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. And that last little bit, man, that's, that's power-packed, he says. Yeah, well, that's exactly the way Paul Tripp says. What a power-packed statement of grace that is ours because of the cross of Jesus Christ. It would take many devotionals to explore all the glories of grace that these words lay before us. But I want to draw your attention to the final thought. How much more will the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's verse 14 of Hebrews 9. Paul Tripp asks, what is the writer of Hebrews talking about, and why is it so important? To answer the question, you have to understand the vital function of the conscience in the way God designed us and intended us to live. The conscience is the inner alarm system that God designed to warn us and redirect us. It is a beautiful thing to have a tender and lively conscience. It is beautiful when your conscience alerts you to moral danger or plagues you when you have done what is wrong. The conscience is an irreplaceable tool that God has built within us so that we would live as he intended. But sin has damaged the function of this vital tool of the heart. In order to understand that damage, you have to understand that your alarm, that is your conscience, only sounds based on the standard that your heart has surrendered to. This is just brilliant. This means that a good and godly moral value system will allow your conscience to function properly, but a bad and self-centered moral value system will mean that your conscience will do you harm. Since sin causes us all to exchange worship and service of the Creator for worship and service of the creation. And since the thing that is at the center of that idolatry is ourselves, without divine intervention, our consciences just don't operate the way God intended. But there is another way that sin interrupts and distorts the work that God intended the conscience to do. The conscience is able to do its work 
only if it can see clearly, anticipating the moral danger ahead or focusing on a failure that has just happened. Moral sightedness is essential to the proper function of the essential tool of the heart. Here's the problem with the need for the conscience to see clearly. Sin blinds us. That's just brilliant. Sin causes the conscience to be unable to see what it needs to see to sound the moral alarm. And sin not only blinds the conscience so it cannot function as God intended, sin also causes the conscience to be blind to its blindness. So we think we are seeing clearly and that the alarm system is working well, but in our sin, we are trusting what is blind and what lives under an idolatrous value system to be morally trustworthy. Hebrews tells us that the blood of Christ does this amazing thing. It cleanses the conscience. It cleanses it from its bondage to self and the surrounding creation. It cleanses it out of its blindness, imparting to it a renewed ability to see. It cleanses it from a corrupt moral value system, giving room now for a life dedicated to and directed by a desire to live according to God's law and for God's glory. The cross doesn't just purchase God's forgiveness for us but it also changes us. And at the heart of that change is a conscience that has been cleansed by the transforming grace of the blood of Jesus. Every time you see sin ahead and avoid it, every time you look back on what you've done with moral grief, you are experiencing the grace of the cleansing of your conscience. This is a vital and precious aspect of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me that we often neglect when we are meditating on and celebrating the death of Jesus. So whether you're reading this during Lenten season or not, but if if you were reading it during Lenten season, whenever it is you reflect on the cross, don't just reflect on the necessity of your forgiveness. Take time also to consider the amazing grace of a conscience that has been cleansed and is able now more than ever before to do in you and for you what God intended your conscience to do. So says Paul David Tripp, Journey to the Cross is the name of the book. And that was a reading entitled Day 11 that opened with the cross of Christ, purchased more than forgiveness for you. He ends it with a couple of questions, uh, reflection questions they're called, not three of them. What Number one, what aspects of the idea that the cross offers us more than forgiveness were new to you? So that'd be something to kind of ponder. What, what did you hear in that reading that might be new? That's one of the reasons I love this book, by the way. You need to get a copy of this. Our entire youth group at the... Uh, Village Chapel, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm so glad they're as a youth group going through this together, and we also have some men's groups and women's groups I think that have uh, uh, taken up this book. So, of course, my hope is that uh, in addition to listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, I'll introduce you to some books like this that you'll want to go and get for yourself, and this would certainly be 
one of them. The second question Paul asks here is, when was the last time your conscience kicked in and prevented you from doing something you knew you shouldn't do? Would you characterize your conscience as tender or damaged? I think it's C.S. Lewis that used to talk about every time we make a bad moral choice, we it's like it's it's like slicing just on the surface our conscience and to the point where eventually it just calluses over. So great question by Paul Tripp here. Is your conscience tender? Or as C.S. Lewis said, is your conscience callousing over? Yeah. Um, the third question, there's three questions. The third question. What are some things you can do to help yourself be more sensitive to your conscience? Hmm. That's good. I, I certainly would recommend more time in God's word, more time on your knees with your, your empty hands of faith lifted up. And, and uh, uh, just like the psalmist inviting the Lord to search you. And to try you and to see if there be any wicked way within you. So often it's, you know, we come to the confession of our sins um, and, and we, we find ourselves kind of stumbling for something to say. And, and that's just because, I know for myself anyway, I won't speak for you, but just because for me, I haven't taken the time to exercise that muscle enough. It's atrophied. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with Paul Tripp. I think that's great. And I love that passage in Hebrews chapter 9. You might want to go back and reread that again. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14 make for a great, uh, a great passage to meditate on. Let me close us in a word of prayer today. God, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that uh, speaks to us to convict us of sin uh, to convince us of what is true and to transform and change us, to conform us into the image of Jesus, our uh, beautiful Savior and Redeemer, um, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And the joy set before him, Lord, we just are blown away when we think about that joy being us, that you so love the world that the delight of Jesus' heart was to come and rescue us and to save us. And that each and every person listening to me today, praying along with me today, Holy Spirit, just impress upon us that we, you, each and every one of us, we are the joy that was set before Jesus. His great love motivated him to come and our salvation is his delight. So Lord, may we walk in the light of that grace and mercy that you've extended to us today. No matter what's gone before, no matter what we have done in the recent past or done just recently, Lord, or even in the distant past, Lord, may we find ourselves once again washed clean by the blood of Jesus and our conscience once again tender before you. Um, thank you for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great one. This podcast is a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Don't forget to also subscribe to one of our other podcasts, Curate's Corner with Kim Thomas. Every Friday throughout the season of Lent, join Kim as she looks at the story of Jesus' last week as told through classic art, prayers, and scriptures. You can subscribe to her podcast on all major platforms, including the Village Chapel YouTube channel, and you can find accompanying resources at lent.thevillagechapel.com. If you find this daily devotional beneficial, leave a review and share it with friends and family. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com. Artwork for this podcast by Kim Thomas, music by Phil Kagey.